joined today by Jaden Johnson, my wonderful co-host, and Coach Mike Sanford of USU Football. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it, Paige. We're excited to, to get this thing rolling. Um, Great season last year, and uh, we understand uh, you know that there's a, there's a lot ahead of us to get done. But um, it's a great group of young men to work with, um, especially uh, myself having the opportunity to be with that quarterback group. Uh, it's it's been so it's so far it's been outstanding. You've been able to get settled in, coach. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a relative uh, yes. But um, actually, moved my family out this week, and uh, you know we've we've actually been able from a from a football standpoint, an offensive standpoint, uh, in these winter workouts that we've had so far. You know, in terms of getting settled in, if you will, from a football standpoint, you know it's been it's been really good. Um, you know, we've gotten some some you know conditioning football type stuff and, and work some individual conditioning drills from a coaching standpoint. So I think the uh, you know our, our roster is starting to understand. Um, you know a little bit more of what, what we're looking for. Um, we're not quite there yet. We got three f- good weeks left of uh, prep before spring break, and then we're into spring football. Awesome. So we talked a lot. I mean, before the hire, right? Everybody was like, "Those are some big shoes to fill." Yeah. And we'll see. And then we got you, and we're like, "Whoa, we didn't expect them to be filled so much." Um, and Jaden and I, it was only a few shows ago that we were talking about what a huge hire you are. I want to know about your path to Utah State, kind of, <laughs> I, I mean, is it as crazy to you as it is to us that we lucked out in getting you? <laughs> no, I, I honestly, and I'm not saying this, you know, um, you know, humbly, or anything, I, I, I feel like I've, I lucked out uh, having a chance to be here. Um, you know, first off is, you know, I had a chance to, to get to know Coach Anderson. Um, and, and I think that, that's what starts with you. When you go from the transition of being a head coach to going back to being a coordinator and assistant coach, I think that that transition is so much better if you if you know the guy you're working for is is everything that you, you want to work for. And that's who Coach A is. My, my dad was here uh, at, at Utah State in 2012, um, the last conference championship, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, and then we got to get that done. ASAP. Um, that's the goal. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that, that is that is the goal. We know that that uh, that mountain side of it goes through uh, a, a town that I'm familiar with. It's uh, about 200 280 miles northwest of here. So, um, but yeah, so I think the, the first and foremost, just working for Coach A. And um, for me, you know, uh, you know, I learned a lot as a head coach, and I think what it what it helped me to do is, is come back and be a better assistant coach because of that, you know, no, I know now what a good assistant coach looks like. Cause I was in the shoes of being a head coach. And, um, and I, so I want to be that for coach Anderson. I want to be that, um, for this offensive staff. I want to be that for, for the players. And, uh, and then also to be able to do it in such a beautiful place. I mean, this place is incredible. Uh, I took my first official visit recruiting trip was here in 1999. Uh, and to say that there are marked differences from uh, 99 to 2019 is an understatement statement because this this cash valley has grown incredibly and i think the cash valley um you know in its growth is is mirrored in the growth of the utah state football program and utah state as a university um it, it's really remarkable so i feel really fortunate to be here um and the path has been uh it's been a little bit circuitous to say the least so we've uh, we've moved quite a bit well cash valley's grown a ton and the utah state football program you look at where they were in 1999 as you mentioned when you came on your uh, on your official visit I'm sure it's a world of difference, you know, new buildings, new facilities, yep. and now a, a place where coaches are regularly getting hired away, and that's the biggest problem that Utah State yeah. has. Uh, what What's the biggest change you've seen in this Utah State football program over the years? Yeah, I, honestly, I, I think it started with, with Coach Anderson. Um, I mean, if you think about it, just the, the relevance of Utah State football today compared to, honestly, let's call it anything predating 2010. Absolutely. I mean, it's night and day, and I know there is a history here too. But um, that history is deeper in the '60s, and you know, it, it's it's not quite as strong in the '70s, '80s, '90s, and early 2000s. Um, and, and I think Coach A turned this this thing completely upside down, and then Matt Wells did an unbelievable job continuing that that transformation of the program. Uh, I also think it's uh, there's been a great commitment uh, financially. Um, you know, the, the the Lob family, what you know, what uh, the, the athletic director, uh, you know, John Hartwell's done here has been nothing short of amazing from a facility facility standpoint um you know so i think the facilities are a big part of it but now it's the belief um you know the the belief the student section and the belief in, in, in that they have in this program uh, and i know that from afar uh, i've never even gone you know played in a game here uh since probably it was last time i was 
here on the sidelines was uh, I was a graduate assistant in 2004 or 5, 2005 and, uh, at UNLV, and we played against Utah State. We lost. Uh, the Rebels lost that day. So I'm um, hoping that uh, the Aggies win a lot of games at home this year because it's a big slate. But I think that's the biggest thing is the facilities and the belief, um, and that's what you want. You want to have a fan base that expects – big things I want to walk into a situation as an offensive coordinator and us as an offense as a whole where there are big shoes to fill that's a good thing because uh, it keeps you on your toes and you got to get to work right away um, and that's what we've done so you talk about you know the changes and everything um, and we've noticed well I've noticed on social media I hear a lot about this beyond football yeah. idea can you tell me more about this program that coach Anderson has started what does it involve what does it mean? What is beyond football? And what do you f- think about it? Well, I, I think the beyond football program as a whole that Coach brought, um, I think his experiences of being a head coach uh, after Utah State, you know, being at, at programs like Wisconsin and like Oregon State, um, that, that brought in his understanding of the, the development of the, the total student-athlete. Um, you know, and there's programs that, that exist at, you know, programs like Wisconsin that have just unlimited resources, and now he's he's implementing that here um, and doing it that's spearheaded by Wonga Damuni, um, and Wonga is the director of football operations. Now he's in charge of academics and beyond football, and Wonga's a perfect guy. He knows Utah State in and out, and he knows this program very well. He's been here for on and off for the last 25 years. Um, you know, what, what we want to do with the Beyond Football program is that we want to we want to get our players to engage the process of life after football. I mean, that's literally what it's called is Beyond Football, and um, and how we do that is to to bring in Aggie alums um, that are doing great things outside of the game of football, uh, some that are doing stuff inside the game of football, and, and explaining to them what life in the NFL actually looks like. It might not be as glamorous, and the money might not be as long as you think it is. Um, you know, it also could be you know hot topic issues that we have on campus, obviously. Um, you know, to make sure that we as a program respect women. Uh, and I think that's critical for, for Coach Anderson. It has been for, for 20 years in his program, his core values. Um, so we had a speaker on that topic this week, and, and our players engaged that process very well. Um, you know, I think there's other components to it, too, for um, get, getting our players set up with great internships. Um, so they start getting real-life practical experience in fields that they're interested in getting into, um, not just football. So um, I think it's the whole student development um, that we want to integrate into our football program. And, and Coach Anderson is doing a great job of setting that, that forward. And uh, we as coaches are just trying to engage it as much as possible. So as a former Division One athlete, if you had a program like this, or maybe you did, we did while not. you were there. <laughs> we didn't. So how do you think that would have changed your experience? How would that have, I don't know, provided for a better post-football life for you? Well, or I mean, I, yeah, like I got, yeah, I got into football, so clearly there was no beyond football because it's just been football for me. So, um, no, I, I think, you know, if I look at, back at it, I mean, uh, even in coaching, you go from, uh, this is just an example, but you go from being a graduate assistant coach. I got married right out of college. Um, so it's been 14 years since, since I've been married. And, um, you know, I didn't really have anybody teach me how to manage money. Um, and that, that's the stuff that Wonga Dumuni is going to be doing is bringing in speakers to talk to our players about um, how to actually manage money, how to budget, um, how to understand taxes. Uh, that's stuff that, you know, in all honesty, I mean, that's, what, that's what the university should do for us. <laughs> you know, that's, you know we, we learn about a lot of great subjects and we attain a lot of knowledge, but um, the real life stuff, I mean, I don't even know if CPAs understand the tax code, um, <laughs> let alone you know, somebody who's, uh, who's now earning uh, you know, in, in, in your employment. Um, those are things that I think that we're trying to bring to the table and coach Anderson's bringing to the table that I wish I would have had and would have known. Um, you know, and I think, uh, not incurring student debt, you know, as a scholarship athlete, those are things I wish I would have known. I mean, shoot, they're already paying, uh, for my, you know, room board, uh, education. That's, that's, his, that's a unbelievable gift. And yet, you know, you want to go out and, you know, get open up credit cards at 18 years old and, and go buy a flat screen TV that is going to be outdated in two years. And all of a sudden you're paying you know 125 percent of that those, those are the things that i think i wish i would have known um you know and, and unfortunately you have to learn in the real world uh, adulting as we call it that, that adulting thing is not uh, not always fun <laughs> i'm figuring that part out <laughs> yeah that's why that's why i wear flat bills uh, i i pretend i'm not adulting you know even though i have to adult i got three kids at home uh, i try not to adult too much 
Well, Coach, I'm about to graduate, so I'm going to come join you guys in this Beyond Football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about to hit uh, soon. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about Wonga, and he's been one con- consistent for this program for several years. And, you know, obviously Coach Coach Miley's sticking around and a few guys from the last staff, but overall there's a lot of turnaround. And you bring in a really great staff, Coach Anna, yep. Coach Woods, who, who you're, you know, you've coached with before. And so it's a group that seems to know each other and seems to have worked together at least a little bit. But what's this group like, and how do you guys work together as a whole? Yeah, I think it starts with that. I mean, I think um, the one thing that I did learn um, from from having an opportunity to to put a staff together in that role, um, it, it's it was a great move from from Coach Anderson to um, to to hire uh, you know guys that have been here and, and to have that continuity. That's helped me a ton, uh, just to understand our personnel better. Um, you know, I think that's been been a huge part of it. I think the the number one thing that I would say about our staff that I've noticed is chemistry. Um, there's great chemistry, not just among the offensive staff, but the entire staff, offense and defense, getting along. Um, Coach Anna and I have offices right next to each other, and um, you know, I always joke that I have the better decorated office uh, quicker than he did. But uh, he, you know, there's there's great chemistry. That's true. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Co- this is good. So Coach A, uh, one of our first uh, staff meetings, he said, "Hey, let's get our offices up and running. Let's mm-hmm. let's act like we're gonna, you know, we're gonna be here for a long period of time." And I'm like, "I need to be here for a long period of time, or I'm gonna be without a wife and kids because uh, I've moved them eleven times." So, um, so we went out and uh, he said, "Hey, have pictures of current players, have pictures of you know famous uh, players that have played the position, sure. and uh, and then you know." So I, I took it very seriously and I decorated the heck out of my office. And Coach Ennis was was white as it was white as snow. The wall, the walls were, and uh, so I, I went up to Coach A a couple of days ago. I said, "Hey, uh, are we going to have any reward system for who has the best decorated office?" <laughs> and so, um, so we have we we've divided the team and uh, the the entire roster into nine teams. Uh, they're accountability teams, and so we actually the the teams were rewarded with points for who had the best oh, wow. decorated office. And needless to say, the uh, yeah the uh, the Chapa Boys is we're called. And I'll give them a shout out here on air but the Chapa boys got 300 points for having uh, the coach with the best decorated office and coach Anna was uh he got minus two or 300 I think so um so his team I forgot their name is but uh they took a hit for that one I think maybe we could use your skills in this radio studio yeah we need some decorations in here yeah you guys can use a little help in here yeah uh one thing it it looks like it's been lived in which is good you know but uh yeah yeah you mentioned how many times your kids have moved oh my gosh um how are they adjusting to utah state i mean logan's a it's a cold place we hear that from everybody it's not cold that's that is the biggest misnomer to me so i lived in bowling green kentucky which is south i mean that's the furthest south city in the state of kentucky and you think of the kentucky as the south it's warmer here than it is there in the winter and why humidity it's the humidity but it's also the wind that's the Uh, thing that i i've noticed is like when you have it if it's 45 degrees in bowling green and the wind's blowing 25 miles per hour 32 degrees or even 18 degrees here completely dead still with no humidity in the air it's i've been i haven't worn a a coat since i've been here i've been just sweatshirt every day and i'm good to go so i don't feel like it's cold wow folks you heard it here first for all of you (laughs) students who transferred from somewhere else um, yeah quit complaining not in the coldest if place. you're complaining about it, you're just being soft because it's not cold here. Uh, you can wear a sweatshirt and a ball cap and you're totally fine. So, um, but yeah, my kids they're they're adjusting well. Um, I brought my daughter up here. She's nine. She's the one that I worry about the most, just with the coaching moves that she's made. And um, this is her eighth school she's gone to. Um, wow. So her, the elementary school she's going to be going here in town will be her eighth, not elementary school, but her eighth school, including preschool. Um, and, and my path for her uh, by the time she was she was four years old. She she lived in all four time zones in the United States. Um, was born at Yale um, while I was coaching tight ends at Yale. And you know, I guess it was nine years ago. Uh, moved to Western Kentucky the first time I was there. So she lived in Eastern and Central time zone by the time she was 17 days old. Uh, so you can imagine my wife. That was a tough transition. Uh, I was at Western Kentucky the first time for about 10 months. We went out to Stanford and I was there for three years. Um, and then I uh, went to Boise and that's where we got the mountain time zone. I was the coordinator out there at Boise State. So uh, 
um, she's a trooper. One thing I'll say about her, she's got a lot of juice. She's got a lot of energy, and uh, she's well-adjusted. She can have a conversation with an adult because she's uh, come across so many people and so many different backgrounds. And, and I was the same way. You know, my, my daughter and I grew up similarly already that um, I was the son of a coach. My dad, um, you know, he was, we were fortunate. Um, when I hit second grade, which is where she's at. She's in third grade. We lived there for eight years at USC. And so I, I feel like Southern California is my home. And that helped a lot to have some form of place that you can at least feel like it's your home. And, and, and that's great too at Utah State. Now I can go recruit Southern California and be in Orange County recruiting too. So um, yeah, and I got a four-year-old son and a two-year-old son. And uh, right now they just, they're fired up to be able to throw snow. And uh, my two-year-old's figuring out that when you, when you play with snow, your hands start hurting. So that's, that's a major discovery to him. I think he, he thought snow was like, you know, it was just 80 degrees and it's good to go. I mean, he, only, he, he just, he just, he just looks down after he plays with it for a while. He's just like, what's going on here? I don't, I don't understand this. Um, but yeah, it's been, um, it's been a really good transition. And, you know, I think that's the thing that, you know, when you have a chance to move to a place that has so many things that it offers outside of just restaurants and movie theaters, like everywhere else in the country, but you have the mountains, you have the outdoors, you have the rivers, the fishing, all that stuff. This place is going to be really fun for us to, to engage when we do have time outside of football. So in your going from Western Kentucky to here, what was the, I guess, your job search like? And when you come here, you know, I'm sure it's got to help that you're coming to a program that has a very high-powered offense that has Jordan Love coming yeah. back, that you know has Coach Anderson that uh, that you are familiar with. Uh, what was it like, and what really enticed you to want to come to Utah State? Well, I'll say this: there were, there were two things that, that that I was hoping and I was I was praying about, to be honest, as a as a family, mm-hmm. just because there is there have been some strain on the family. Um, there were two things that I was hoping to have a chance to 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 do in my next job, whatever it made. I didn't, I didn't know what it was going to be. It could be a position coaching job, could be you know a low level head coaching job, it could have been high school. You know, you just never know. I mean, it, sure. it's you know, it's it, the market is the market, and you don't know where you know you're going to have a chance to, to be reinserted into a program. But the thing I was looking for was number one, I wanted to be out in the Western part of the United States. Um, cause it's home enough of Kentucky. Yeah. I was, I, and I, and I did love, there were things I loved about Kentucky, but, uh, I think f- just being able to fit, you know, sure. be a fit is, is critical. Um, and then number two, I was looking, I wanted to be around a great head coach that I could continue to learn from and around a great staff and great people. Um, and, uh, and, and those two things were exclamation points by it, obviously. Obviously, um, when when I had the opportunity to come here, um, now there were there were other opportunities that were kind of lingering and pending. What I loved about what Coach A did is is you know he told he you know, he flew you know my wife and I flew out here to interview, um, and he made it really clear that he wants us to be a part of this program um, from day one, and that that meant a lot because you know there's there's some humbling adverse times that come in this profession, and you know I was at a bottom at a rock bottom place you know if I'm be real honest, and to know that. Um, your head coach believes in in you and believes in what you, you're going to do offensively. That's a big thing for me at that point in time. And and um, you know I'm going to continue to work my tail off just like these players that already can tell that Coach A cares about them. I know that he cares about us and cares about our family, and that's critical for me. And and I'm going to do everything I can to um, to to contribute in any way possible to make this program a, a championship program every year. And we have talked so much about Jordan Love over the past season and before then and Jaden knows I'm a huge fan. I don't try and I don't try and cover that at all. I'm a huge Jordan Love fan. What do you see behind the scenes that makes him the quarterback that he is and the leader that he's been for this team? Yeah, he he's he is you're right, uh Paige in saying that. I mean, being a big Jordan Love fan, you know, um I might be I might be right up there, you know, at the top of that fan club and, and not because I'm I'm a fanboy if you will. <laughs> uh just because I love the way he approaches uh the game. Um I love the way he's handled success. I think that's always uh, the benchmark of a collegiate athlete. If you've had that type of unbelievable success in a short period of time, it's challenging not to become bigger than life in your own brain. 
brain, and and that's not Jordan at all. Jordan's humble. Jordan goes to work every day. Um, Jordan's a great teammate. Um, he really does care about his teammates. I'd say even you know above himself. And and that I've seen. I saw that the first the first time I, I got here into Logan, uh, and I was officially hired. Um, I got the quarterback group together when the day before they got uh, they reported back for for uh, the next semester. And you know I could just see right then and there that Jordan was one of the group of quarterbacks. He wasn't you know QB one and everybody else is below him. I mean he's he's one of that group. And what I've seen and, and what I wanted do is I want to create a quarterback culture in that room where we have the best quarterback room top to bottom in the country and I think that's attainable um, at Utah State the problem at um, at Notre Dame you know is you know we we had that but they all transfer <laughs> you know they do that's just what happens there's only one ball and and you get to those extremely high profile you know positions like the quarterback at Notre Dame if you don't have the ball in your hands on the field you're going to go be the starting quarterback at Florida like Malik Zaire did or you're going to be a starting quarterback at Florida State like Everett Golson did or now Brandon Wim Bush, he's going to go be the starting quarterback at UCF. Um, you know, and that's that's what we want to do here. Is we want to create a great culture within that quarterback room where they care about each other, but we also want it to be very competitive with one another. Um, we, I want for Andrew Peasley and of course Henry Columbia to push Jordan's game. I want those two guys to get so good in their craft that Jordan feels like they're nipping at his heels. Now we all know that Jordan's our starting quarterback, right. um, but I want him to feel that every single day that these guys are getting better, and and they are. Uh, they're getting stronger. They're getting bigger. Um, you watch the film of, of those two quarterbacks in particular behind Jordan. Uh, their skill set's very impressive. Their ability to run is very impressive. Uh, and, and I give a lot of credit to Matt Wells and, and, and Coach Yost for um, their recruitment of that position because those three guys are exactly what I would have been looking for in the process when I evaluate quarterbacks. And that's a, that's a great thing. Uh, we don't have to go and kind of hit the reset button and, and try to change the dynamic of what we're looking for at quarterback because they're highly athletic. Um, they were all three of those those guys were, you know, at or near the top of the athlete in the in the area. Um, not just great passers, not just great seven on seven quarterbacks, but they can actually get you get you first downs with their legs too. All three of them. Mm-hmm. Now you get here and immediately it's hitting the hitting the road for recruiting. I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm sure that's been a pretty crazy trip with signing day just a, a week ago or so. Tell me about this recruiting class you guys brought in because there's some really impressive names in there and some you know some players that had some big offers from other schools. Uh, and especially on the offensive side of the ball. Tell me about the guys you're bringing in. Well, we lost production, right? Sure. We lost production at receiver, lost production at tight end, lost production at running line. back uh, and, and offensive line. So it's basically the whole offense except, <laughs> except for Jordan Love. Um, there are some great pieces coming back, great pieces coming back uh, across the board. Um, a very talented young offensive line that has played. That four redshirt rule was big for, for us in 2019, for them to be able to get the reps they did. I mean, they were play- some of them were playing yeah. – almost an entire half of football in their four games that they played. It seemed like it came at the right time. It, it was really good, really good for us. Uh, and I'm very grateful that, that they were able to do that last year because now you have uh, offensive linemen that, that did play significant snaps last year. Um, so it's not going to be the first time out there getting their feet wet uh, when we line up and play Wake Forest. So, um, But the recruiting class, I think we wanted to identify immediately what, where we needed to replace production with older players. Um, and that was a big thing in the junior college market in the grad transfer market. And, and those two pieces, I think we hit, uh, we hit the ground running and, and that's, that's a little bit of a different market. You don't want to build your entire program around that market because coach Anderson believes in developmental players. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did lose a, a large chunk of production of senior players, um, particularly receiver and running back. And, and for us to be able to get, uh, that type of production coming in, that's already played, you know, at a high level of division one football or junior college football and be an All-American like uh, Jalen Warren is, uh, I think that, that we, we have a chance to, to, to really replace some, some, some great players, hopefully with uh, guys that can learn the system quickly. Well, it was huge for Utah State last year, a guy like Jalen Green coming in mm-hmm. and you know, as a grad transfer, making an immediate impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, transfers it's a big Juco, deal. That's a huge thing. Yeah, and, and but we also we thought the perfect number was probably in that three to four range. Sure. 
because you want to bring in 25. We, we ended up signing 30. I think it's, now we're up to 34 players. Um, and what I love about what Coach A did this, and I learned this from being here, is we announced all 34 players as if they're scholarship players. And so, you, you know, we've got to leave you guys uh, uh, to try to figure out which one's the scholarship guy, which guy's the walk-on. And that sets the tone that walk-ons in this program are extremely important. Um, there's been a great tradition of walk-on players that have become scholarship players uh, and have become NFL players. And so I think that's a, that's a big part of uh, the equation for us is is bringing in great high school players that we can develop that we can develop because coach a believes in uh, this being a developmental program and so keeping that transfer market at roughly 15 20 percent of our class as opposed to 50 to 60 percent of our class which is always a temptation I think it it, it checked the box of we got to win in 2019. You're always coaching for next year. Uh, and then in 2020, 21, we'll start to see some of those freshmen that are more developmental players now they're ready to go and, and, and explode on the scene. Well, it gets me excited for the next few years for Aggie football. I'm glad I get to be the one covering it. <laughs> Even after graduation, you know we'll be here. Coach, we've heard great things about you, and we're excited for the, the season to come. Uh, anything else for those tuning in? Anything you want us to know about this team and no, I, your family? If, if, you if you're team? listening, I'd say this. Go out and support you know, the basketball programs right now. Um, uh, great run that's going on, uh, what what they're doing right now. It, it's a big <laughs> it's a big time operation, and they're peaking, and they're growing, they're building, uh, and, and they're playing their best basketball right now. I'm looking forward to taking my family out there. So just students that are out there, support that basketball program program men's and women's and uh, I want to see you know coach a wants to see the best student section in Mount West continue to be that and, and get even more that way because we we feed off that our players feed off of that and they love playing in front of their peers and and when there's uh, a bought-in fan base and a bought-in student body I think it goes a long way for your program all right well thank you so much for joining us today coach you're listening to uh, the sports page out loud on Aggie radio KBLU LP Logan, Utah, 92.3 FM. All right, welcome back to the sports page out loud. This is your host, Paige Zamora. We just said goodbye. Oh, and I'm sorry, Jaden. <laughs> I just got really excited about reminding everyone that Coach Mike Sanford from USU of football was here, but more importantly, Jaden Johnson is still here. I don't know about that. Jaden Johnson is still here, my awesome co-host. Um, wow, what a guy. We're really excited about Utah State football after that. Um, it was a great interview. He, you know, Coach Sanford, uh, you, you could tell he's he's been around the media a lot. He's done a lot of this interview stuff. He was a head coach at Western Kentucky, and I'm sure. He's a natural in front of that microphone. But, mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, uh, he, he seemed really sincerely fired up about this program and the direction they're headed. Yeah, and to hear him talk about other programs at the school. I mean, he also, I can't remember if this was on air or not, but he talked about going to a basketball game his first time he was here on his official visit as an athlete and talking about how cool it is to, you know, be in the spectrum and then asking students to get to the spectrum. I love that. I think that's cool. And I think um, this idea of the athletics being like one big group that supports each other doesn't always pan out, right? But I mean, it's nice to hear it from the top, from a coach, too. That's cool. Uh, and coach Sanford wasn't about to, to brag about his resume. He, you know, he was really humble about all of it. But he's got a really impressive track sheet when you look at it. I mean, he, he talked a little bit about his stops at, at Yale, uh, where he casually was coach. mentioned that. <laughs> uh, well, he's been all over. He was the offensive coordinator at Boise State back in 2014. That was a very good Boise State team, you'll remember. Uh, before that, he was at Stanford for a while doing a, a few different things, quarterbacks coach, wide receivers coach, spent three years there. Uh, and then the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, that was uh, during Calls the Deshaun effect, Kaiser right? years. Yeah, he coached Deshaun Kaiser. And that was a really – I mean, Notre Dame's offense the last couple of years maybe hasn't been um, quite up to par, but that was 2015-2016. They had some great offenses. He was the offensive coordinator there. Then the head coach at Western Kentucky for a couple of years – and he, you know, took over a pretty tough program there. They gave him two years, a pretty short leash. Then he was out of a job. But it's a big pickup for Utah State. Yeah, I, like I said at the beginning, I feel like we really lucked out in getting this hire. Um, I think that's one thing that I, I already appreciate and will grow to appreciate even more about Coach Anderson is 
his ability to kind of pick the ones that maybe someone else isn't looking at. I mean, I know he had other offers, right? But um, really dig deep for this this coaching staff. Hopefully he doesn't have to do it much more because I like what we have. And if the majority could stick around, Jaden and I were just talking about all, all the success that we're hoping to see. And I mean, it's an exciting time already to be a football fan at Utah State, right? Or a Utah State fan of football. But um, I think it's going to get even more exciting. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the at the coaching staff they've got, Coach Sanford, awesome. But they were also able to keep around Coach Miley. I know, you know, Utah State fans have uh, really grown to love Coach Miley, and we saw what he did as an interim coach in the bowl game, bringing uh, Coach Justin Enna as a defensive coordinator, who, you know, this is his first stab as a D1 defensive coordinator. But by every account I've heard, you know, talking to players and talking to people around the team, he's an incredible recruiter an incredible motivator you bring back coach tj woods on the offensive line who's been here before who's coached with coach sanford at western kentucky it's just a solid group i mean there's nothing looking at looking at how this coaching staff uh came together for coach anderson i just don't see anything that i would have changed and you know if i was going to script out the perfect coaching staff that that realistically could come to utah state i think that that's about what you've got right now. Mm-hmm. And I know it's so crazy that, you know, it's basketball season. We're a few weeks away from the tournament. And here we are talking about football, right? <laughs> um, I love being excited enough to do that, but we got to change gears and talk about this because this team. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, it's there's really sad that there's about. like two total different things to talk about, right? Because our women's team, um, <laughs> last time we talked, we were ready to see them going into as second or third in, you know, in the conference into the tournament. And it's almost like we jinxed them, Jaden. I don't know. Falling apart a little bit. Yeah. I mean, losing streak. Yeah. They won their first five and then lost their next six. That's hard to watch. And I feel like it's not like they're closest games. I mean, they're, they're closer, but when you watch, it looks like a different team. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it is us jinxing them. So maybe we better (laughs) knock on wood, but, it's, it's hard to watch them struggle so much with all the success they had at the beginning of the year, especially knowing that I was I was talking so much about it. Like, I, yeah, I've told everybody, you know, like, this team's so good. And they're still fun to watch, don't get me wrong, but just little things that keep falling apart. It's a team that went from, <clears throat> you know, playing their best basketball and, you know, like you said, winning five straight games to just hitting a few roadblocks. And, and I think struggling to overcome some adversity later on in the season. And, you know, what's promising, I guess, is that every game, they're still pretty much right there with a few exceptions. Um, You know, they just barely lost on the road to Wyoming. Well, Wyoming's a really tough team. Uh, And they were right there two and a half quarters in, you know, back to back, back and forth, I should say. Just really, really close game. And then... um, got in some serious foul trouble players were limited because of fouls and uh I think Wyoming took 24 25 free throws in that game which you know is nearly impossible to to overcome when Utah Mm -hmm. State took a total of eight Uh, but you know one thing about this team is they've they've had a lot of resolve and they've still been right there defensively throughout all these games they've still uh I feel like had had uh, kind of a no-quit attitude, even though things have gone south. And so, you know, they've still got all the talent that they had three weeks ago. And there's, It's not an injury thing. It's not like um, all of a sudden all the players just lost all their talent. They just have, have to get it back together. And, you know, they've still got six games before the Mountain West Tournament to kind of get things back rolling. And last year in the Mountain West Tournament, a team in Nevada that was the ninth seed made a, made a run to the championship. So you just never know in, in this conference. And... Utah State's proven they can beat some of these better teams in the conference, and so I guess you just hope that things come together at the right time for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to ask. There was one moment in the game that was so interesting, um, but while I was listening, the commentators that I heard, I was wishing I could turn on you instead. Um, they were not the ones that I wanted. I, anyways. Jaden, you should be the voice for all of them, is what I'm saying. Um, there was there was a few like foul troubles that they got in, and then it got a little high intensity. 
do you think that intensity that comes and whether it shows up in technical fouls or anything like that, do you think that changes the energy in the room or do you think it changes the energy, I guess, wow, <laughs> does it change the energy in a positive way for the team? I mean, the same time the men's team was playing, the coach got a technical yeah. foul and I was riled <laughs> up. I, it, it made me excited, right? That, How do you think it affects the team? Well, it's a good point that you bring up because both of these were happening at almost the same time. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Coach... Uh, Coach Finkbeiner got pretty heated because there were a lot of, and, and I'm, you know, there were a lot of calls that were questionable. And so any coach in that instance is, is going to get heated when he sees his team giving up, you know, 10 free throws in a quarter of basketball and, and in a low scoring game and seeing some, you know, seeing some of his star players have, have to ride the bench because of foul trouble. So, you know, I get it. You get heated and, and, uh, Utah State picked up a, a technical foul and it was, kind of a frustration technical foul well at the same time in the men's game you know coach smith kind of the same situation maybe not because of foul trouble but he came out and picked up a foul but it was almost like a i don't know it, it was it was a different it was a different kind of technical foul it was like yeah, a, well, I, i'm gonna like, the frustration like a calculated ones. risk uh-huh. i'm gonna fire up my team show them that this isn't acceptable get the crowd into it mm-hmm. uh you know that kind of a technical maybe foul. Maybe then that's what it, that's where the difference is. Maybe in the intentions of it. <laughs> I've had this big philosophical conversation in my mind since then, though, thinking about technical fouls and the effect that they have on teams. Whether it's a positive effect they have, where they you know change the energy and pick it up, or whether it's you know the opposite of that. And I guess it just depends on the intention behind it. Let's talk about this men's basketball team though, right now. Coach Smith, I mean, we had him on. We were just talking with Coach Sanford about him because they both talk so much. <laughs> so much energy. I don't know if I I've ever seen... I think those two would get along. <laughs> I think so, too, right? Don't you kind of want to, like, send them to lunch together or something just <laughs> I, to see how it would... I would love to be a fly on the wall right? for that. See who gets more words in. I don't know if I've ever seen a coach <laughs> engage with the crowd more than Coach Smith does. Because I love it. Because he is constantly, you know, begging the crowd for more noise, telling them, let's go, and things like that. I've never seen that. I mean, you see it with some of the assistant coaches in football, you know, where they'll turn around to the student section and kind of just motion for more noise. But I've never really seen that in basketball. I don't know. Have you? Is this? I mean, we know he's different, it, right? It but happens. I mean, not a, not in any Utah State coach of the past thirty years ever, so, you know, <laughs> right? Because um, you know, Co- Coach Stu, he had a very. Uh, a different style. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he's one of the greatest, not only Utah State coaches, but one of the great college basketball coaches of all time. And and so, you know, it's definitely not a knock on Coach Coach Stu Morrill. He was, but he was more of a, he, I, w- I don't want to say calm, you know, he let his players have it and um, maybe more of a Jerry Sloan style mm-hmm. where, you know, he's not interacting <laughs> with the crowd. He's not, I he's not that. out there high-fiving fans after the game, which is fine. And, you know, he had a lot of success at Utah State. And, uh, and no one more was the, expected, right? No, I mean, no one, one expects the, it from Coach Smith either, right? One of the absolute greats. But Coach Smith, he's just that, that personality that, you know, he's going to go. I, I saw a video of him crowd surfing when he was at South Dakota. Literally no. crowd surfing after a rivalry game in the student section. You know, he's, he's going he's gonna to be out there interacting with fans. I think he's invited me no fewer than ten times while just seeing me on campus or at different events telling me, I'm going to see you at the game, right? And I t- you know, and he knows that I'm out traveling with the women's team and can rarely make it. But he, he, he makes a very concerted effort to get people to the games. Um, he loves to interact with students. And you, you said it, you know, during games on the sideline, he gets fired up. And it's fun to watch because his team clearly feeds off of it. Right. And as if he wasn't fun enough to watch, then he has this team, right? That- <laughs> They have been a blast to watch, especially in how successful they've been. Um, honestly, people that in the past have been like, oh, they're kind of just a body out there. And that's horrible for me to say. I get that. And most of the time, not merited. But, you know, you had we had certain showboat players, right? I mean, Kobe McEwen was kind of just the, I don't know. He was He was the show when you would go to a game. Now it feels like across the board, even on the bench, I feel like if you could watch the bench the whole time, that's mm. fun too. Um, and we have to talk about how Namias Keita just plays as if he's already in the NBA. He high-fived a few fans after a dunk. 
in this last game um, that were sitting on the front row. I think he, well, obviously he has such a promising future. We're already just hoping we get him at least to what his junior year. <laughs> um, but it's him and all those guys that are out there. It's so fun to watch. And I get that that's mostly because they've been winning so well. But what about this team? How what do you how do you put your finger on it, right? Like the is it the the point distribution, the fact that it doesn't matter who's got the ball, we feel confident with them. I don't know. What is it? Well, you know, it, it's a lot of things. I mean, um you look you look in this team, they've won eight of their last nine games. And it's clear that like something has clicked and even in that San Diego State game that they lost, sure they gave up this big old nasty run. Uh, towards the end of the the first, or I guess in the middle of the first half and uh, and whatnot, but they still only lost that game by what, five points on the road at San Diego State, and, and so I think that part of it is is the resiliency. You know, they they came in. I know that every team in the world, including, and I never thought I'd say this on this show, including the New England Patriots, you know, <laughs> come in with this like Shout the world is Walker. against us. <laughs> yeah, they come in with this world against us thing which is usually bs especially in the case of of the patriots um right. and, and you know every team wants to think that they're the underdog and that everyone's cheering for them to fail well in this utah state team's case they really were i mean right pick ninth in the mountain west conference even utah state fans you know and and the media and i'm certainly guilty of this and i think just about everybody is right thought that it's going to be really tough for this team to win half their games this season you know you lose you lose Kobe McEwen you lose your head coach you lose uh, a guy like D'Angelo Isby a lot of and Deron Henson and just so much right. talent uh, and then a, a first year head coach to come in it, it would have been easy and understandable to think that this team does finish seventh eighth ninth in the conference so they've got that which they've clearly used as fuel and now you look at them and they're sitting in second place in the conference they don't care that they gave up a, I don't know what it was a 20 to 23 to nothing run against San Diego State. You know, it doesn't matter to them because they've, you know, they've been overcoming the odds all season, able to come back, obviously not able to close it up and, and win in time. But uh, there's just a resilience on this team that I think serves them very well. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think that their conference or their uh, tournament odds are probably shot without winning the conference. But I wouldn't put it past them to win the conference. You right. know, you go to Vegas and you got to win three games. I get you have to get past Nevada, which was a pretty ugly game the first time they played. But um, don't be surprised if if this Utah State team makes a little run. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe that's it. I I think that's most of it, right? The true underdog story, where we have like, I mean, you talk to any athlete, like you said, they always mm-hmm. want to believe that, right? Right. And they'll tell you, oh, this person didn't believe in me, or these people didn't right. believe in us. LeBron James, the six foot eight, <laughs> you know, physical right. specimen that he is, will tell you he was an underdog. And uh-huh. it's like, well, well, maybe right. in your mind, and that's okay, <laughs> yeah, right? Sure. In their <laughs> own minds, they're overcoming that, and that's awesome. Good for them. But this team legitimately was, and even sometimes when they go on the court at the beginning, not that they don't, I mean, once they start playing, obviously mm-hmm. it's different, but they're a little bit unassuming. You know, yeah, or, well, I mean, and got, we're unassuming about them. Look, you've got, you've got, and and this is absolutely no offense intended. You get a guy like Justin Bean, right? You get a guy like like Brock Miller. Uh, you know, you get you get a guy like Abel Porter, who you would look at him and say, you know, maybe they're a role player on this team. Maybe you know, maybe they're walk ons, just because they're not the most imposing physical specimens. They're not the you know, they're not the six foot eleven Nemius Cada who's mm-hmm. clearly built to play college basketball. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of guys like that who have stepped up and, and started a lot of games, who have come in and made huge impacts on this team. Right. And haven't let that stop them, yeah, right? The fact absolutely. that they aren't you know that typical body type or you know look like they're even, on the team you know even, even sam merrill i mean he's the he's exactly the, you know probably Quinn the Taylor mountain west, even is in there a little there's bit a good chance me. sam merrill's the mountain west conference player of the year mm-hmm. and you look at him next to some of these recruits unlv brings in right next to you know next to some of these guys that uh that, that, that fresno state you know these four or five star athletes coming into the mountain west conference and uh utah state's definitely kind of built on knowing that not only the team, but a lot of the players are underdogs in their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think we thrive on that as fans, as 
as anyone covering it, we we get to be the ones to, you know, share that story of, you know, overcoming and, like, winning. That's what I love about it. I love being someone on literally right on the sidelines, right, that gets to cover this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping to see the same story for a women's team. Right now, they're even more so. And we'll see. We'll see if they overcome it, you know, or if it's another time where we say maybe next year. But either way, these stories that we get to share are great. Um if you're listening to this and you know of a story or someone, hit us up. We want to be able to share stories like that, someone overcoming, or, I mean, even just something awesome in sports. This basketball team well, has been one of my favorites to share so far. You've got to look at what they've got coming up. And I know that, and this is a whole different rant that we talked about a little bit during football season, and I'm not going to get into it again. Fan attendance has been pathetic for a team that is as good as, as it is. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. But you look at what's coming up. They've got a home game against New Mexico. New Mexico's you know pretty pretty decent team. A team that that beat Nevada. Nevada's only loss of the season. They're coming right. to the Spectrum in a week. Well, Wednesday the twentieth. Their last three home games. They've got New Mexico, San Diego State. Obviously, that's a big one after just the game we just saw, and Nevada. That's your last three home games. Like if that doesn't get you out to watch this team. I don't know what will. You know, that that is three killer, killer, killer games. So I know that Nevada is going to be packed. I know that that's going to be a sellout. It's senior night. It's probably a top five team at that time. Jaden's rolling his eyes. He says that just so these you guys next know. Two, these next two <laughs> games are just as big for yeah. this Utah State team. Oh, and we'll be just as entertaining. Not, maybe not just as entertaining because they're not as ranked as Nevada, but just as competitive, it feels. Yeah. This conference is, I believe, one of the reasons why our team is so good because we've been playing teams like this, right? Mm -hmm. And we've been preparing for these teams all offseason. Well, in the fight, you know, obviously Utah State's, they're probably not going to win a regular season championship, so that's off the board in in all likelihood unless Nevada trips up a couple of times in the next six, seven games. Uh, But they're fighting for that second seed, in the conference tournament, which would mean that they get, uh, obviously it's not like a free trip to the championship game, but it means they don't see Nevada till the championship game if they can get there. So right. there's a lot, which is huge, a lot to play for mm-hmm. here in these next few weeks. Only six games left for this Utah State team till the tournament. Well, and it's, there is something to be said for how games before, you know, all, I'm, I don't know if it's synergy or what, but, you know, the games leading up to affect the games that you'll have, right? Oh, yeah. Momentum is a thing. I know I preach it all the time, but it's very real, especially in college basketball at this time of the year when we're getting so close to March. And, um, I mean, the what they have coming up, if they can capitalize on the things that they should, and if they can keep playing like the, you know, strong underdogs or whatever we want to call them they are, then that could give them serious momentum going into this tournament, which I'm excited to watch. Excited to be in Vegas for that. And I don't know I don't know if a lot of people realize this, how favorable this schedule plays out for Utah State, that they get a host Nevada on senior day. I mean, it's always – anytime a top 10 team comes to the spectrum, it's probably going to be a sellout and you're probably going to have a raucous crowd. But add senior day to it, it adds that much more emotion. And I think that that's going to be an insane game. They get a bye week before the conference tournament because there are 11 teams in the conference one team is always left out and always has a bye while other games are going on well the Wednesday before the tournament or maybe it's uh I guess it's I'm not sure entirely how it plays out I'll have to look at a schedule but the the last game before the tournament everybody else is playing Utah State doesn't have to they play Colorado State on Tuesday the 5th and then they've probably got a good week in two or three days off, a week and two days, I think, off before they have to play again. That's a huge benefit. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people haven't really caught on to that yet. But the Aggies, they they could be very poised to make a nice run. And then, you know, considering they're they're almost already – I think that they've basically guaranteed a first-round buy, a top-five seed, so they're not going to have to play on the first day of the tournament. Uh, And then it's three wins in Vegas. That's yeah. all it takes. Three wins in Vegas. Oh, you make it sound so simple, Jaden. <laughs> yeah, not quite that simple when you have a top five team that you got to get past. But Right. <laughs> but you know what? I almost hate talking about this, but I also, it just makes me so excited. Let's just say, 
we get those three wins, right? And then basketball season's not quite over yet. How much would that mean long-term? Let's talk maybe the next five years. For Utah State to be back in that national, maybe not spotlight, but at least, you know, stage. Yeah. How much would that mean? I mean, would it mean that much if in the next year? I mean, I guess time will tell, right? But, I mean, what would it mean to get back there again? Especially coming from you as like a lifelong Aggie fan. Well, you know, I I think that regardless, Utah State is going to be playing in a postseason tournament, and and there's nothing wrong with playing in the NIT tournament, especially if you can make a a deep run. Um, I know that a lot of, you know, any ACC school playing in that tournament will say, oh, that doesn't matter, that's stupid, why do we care about that? You know, if you're a Mountain West team and you can make a nice run in the NIT, that's huge. not saying that that's what's going to happen or that they're going there. I'm just saying there's no shame if that's the case. Uh, but to get to the NCAA tournament would be enormous for this team. You look at, um, and, and you know, obviously you want to go there and you want to win, and that's kind of been, I guess, the knock on Utah State, even throughout this two years, even as good as they were, and even as, you know, many 25-win regular seasons as they had. They had a really hard time winning, even in the first round of that tournament. Um, but... If you could, if you could have a team that goes from, again, projected ninth in the Mountain West Conference, a team that loses its star, that loses its coach, that uh, has to overcome all these odds, and then makes it to the tournament, even just making it would be huge. Um, especially considering, as I as I was saying, I think that that means you won the Mountain West Conference, which uh, is an even bigger right accomplishment in and of itself. Uh, but you know. I, I'm just excited to see what happens. I'm, I'm going down to Vegas as well, and it's going to be a fun tournament to watch, I think. Yeah. Last I mean, year, just think about how exciting it was last year to just make it to the semifinals. And not that that's a small task, obviously, is the furthest they've ever made it in the conference, but like just how thrilling that little run was. Imagine a championship run oh. and how much more energy and momentum that would bring to this program. To use the- a few of your favorite words. <laughs> I got the. Um- I got the chills when you said all that, Jaden. <laughs> um, exciting. It's That's like one of the only words I can use to describe this team. I love Coach Smith. I think he's done a great job. I think it's really fun to watch um, them all get pumped together, right? And it's it doesn't seem like it's a one-man show ever. I feel like it's cool to watch people be successful, and they're excited about it, but they're just as ready to pass as they are to shoot. Absolutely. And that's something that has... Honestly, yeah, this is going to be super cheesy, but I think that type of teamwork and that, um, what's the call? What's it called? Point distribution. Distribution. (laughs) I know it's already started with the D. Thank you. That point distribution is what's making the difference for this team. And and you look at, you look at, I'm sorry to interrupt. You're fine. Go ahead. The the one, the one game in recent past that they've really struggled that, that San Diego state game, the biggest thing that was missing was point distribution you know it was all Sam Merrill and it wasn't because he was hogging the ball or anything like that or taking too many shots the only one he was the only one that could in that game Mm -hmm. and so you know when he gets when he gets two or three guys helping him out you know when he can get 10 or 12 points from Abel Porter and get you know 12 or 15 points from from Nemius Cato this team's tough to stop right I love it love 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 Aggie basketball it's been a blast um Jaden thank you for being with me today thanks for chatting and thanks again to USU football's coach Mike Sanford. That was a blast. This will be up on the web to download. Um, you can find me on Twitter at sportspage94. Let us know any questions you have or any stories you want us to talk about. We're always ready to talk, right, Jaden? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and Jaden is at Twitter on Twitter at Jaden Johnson zero zero. Don't forget those two zeros. Very crucial. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This has been the Sports Page Out Loud on Aggie Radio, KBLU LP, Logan, Utah, 92.3 FM.